Hurricane Harvey relief funding gets passed through the Senate as Hurricane Irma smashes into Florida, but it's not without a little bit of controversy from our friends Rand Paul, Ben Sass, and a couple others in the Senate that will go over. On top of all of that, there's still a lot of DACA talk between what's going on with Donald Trump and the Senate. NFL football is back, and I found my escape from being a cable cutter and how to still get the games. All this and a little more coming up. just played in by let it out by jerry town remember check out the links to download that wonderful song guys it is tuesday september 12th 2017 and i am coming at you on a tuesday because yesterday uh, well not yesterday technically if we want to get technical here it was sunday night i got froze onto the midnight to eight shift as is customary once a week now where i work it is what it is uh you know, I get forced to make a little bit more money sometimes. And, I mean, it's annoying. Let's not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I can certainly think of a dozen other ways I'd rather be spending time on midnight to eight any given day of the week. And almost hands down every time, number one would be be in bed like a normal person. Because I am not built for working midnight to eight whatsoever I'm not built for that and I can say that at at 28 years young that I am not no I'm not in the mood for working uh, during the time that you are naturally supposed to be asleep I don't know how the people who actually sign up and take that shift do it Uh, I have no idea how they organize their lives I have no idea how they keep up on their health or Anything like that. I'm sure there's some people out there listening going, I love working midnight to eight or whatever. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, to each his own. But let the guy who wants to sleep, let him sleep for the love of God. So because of that minor annoyance, and this this is funny. This is how it worked out. This is how the past weekend worked out, all right? Friday, Saturdays are beautiful days off to have. I enjoy them uh, greatly. Friday night, I don't think me and my wife really did anything. Saturday night, we hung out with uh, the newlyweds. Jay, Sean, and Luther went bowling, did a couple other fun things with them, which was great, which was awesome, all right? So that's what we did. Sunday morning, me and my wife wake up. Now, there's a precursor to this. Uh, About a week ago or so, we had pre-ordered our Samsung Note 8 phones. And we were feeling pretty good about that. We wanted to get upgrade from our current phones because, you know, it's it's that time. They they suck. We've dropped them a couple times. The backs are shattered off of them. Things like that. However, cell phone plan uh, or cell phone companies caught up. They caught up quick with what us consumers were doing. For example, me and my wife, AT and T. We are loyal AT and T customers. I have nothing disparaging or bad to say towards AT&T for the, I don't know, 15 years or more that I've had under their service, including when they were singular. Don't have any complaints. And when I say singular, I mean this was back in high school, flip phone LG days when you found goofy little ringtone. You know, stupid crap like that. You were excited to spend $3 to get a ringtone of the Indiana Jones theme that lasted five seconds. All right, that that was the world. It wasn't this 
I'm going to go on iTunes, figure out what tones I want, and make them in GarageBand real quick and do it for free. Which you can do with Samsung phones now, too. You can. There's. I don't know anybody that buys a ringtone anymore. If you do, you're dumb. You just don't know how to bypass it. No offense. I shouldn't call people dumb, but you are. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I have a, I've had AT&T for a while. No complaints, all right? But they caught on. Me and my wife would go on two-year contracts, buy the phones for, you know, a, a $199 a pop or $299 a pop, and you have a two-year contract. At the end of the two-year contract, you owned that phone, that phone that they're selling to people for six, seven, eight hundred bucks. But you would get it for $299 because you locked into a two-year contract. For me, I didn't care about that. Lock into a two-year contract. I don't give a crap. I'm going to keep this phone when I'm done with it. I'm going to upgrade to the next line, and I'm only going to spend $299. Well, they, they caught on with all the next plans that you see now. Now now people pay monthly payments for their phones, and they're more than okay with it. They're more than okay shilling out six, seven, eight hundred dollars for a phone, $900 for a phone. Uh, if you're getting a new Note 8, it's $920, $950 something. And the new iPhone 8 is speculated to be damn near $1,000. All right? And just for perspective, the iMac that I record this program on, that costs like $1,200, maybe $1,500. And the iPhone is going to cost just $500 less than that? It's a small thing that you put in your freaking pocket. Everybody wants to talk about price gouging and bullshit with gas prices and stuff, yet they don't fret at paying $700 for a screen that you touch that you put in your pocket. That, besides that, I obviously you can tell, I don't believe that cell phones are worth the cost that they're making people pay for them. I think those are extremely gauged numbers. But you know what? I'm part of the problem because I bought a cell phone at that price. I didn't stand up and refuse to buy it because nobody else does. So that's how the world works, by the way, just so everybody knows. Where was I? Right. So they caught on. They got rid of the contract things. You have these payment plans now. Uh, That doesn't mean... So my old phones, they're still on a payment plan. I still have a couple payments to make on them. But now they are just lovely little paperweights at this point because they're deactivated. The sims don't work. I can hook them up to Wi-Fi. It's like having a little tablet. It's like having an extra tablet on you. And I think that's what everybody does with their old cell phones, the people who would keep it anyway. Some people trade them in. Some people don't. I never I never was in this phone trade-in business until now. And now that I am, I might develop different opinions on it. I don't know. So... Back to the original point of the story, because we just went on a long walk about the uh, the Earth there. Back to reality here. We pre-ordered these Note 8s. We've been a Samsung family for probably the last five, six years, and that might that might shock some people, considering that I have talked about how I have an iMac and I'm a Mac computer guy. Straight up, straight up, uh, Apple computers whip your stupid little PCs. Uh, to the ground. I mean, yeah, I could, I could build or have an oppressive PC. I just don't feel like it. Uh, I feel like I, I don't have the time to mess around with that and be all nerdy. And I'm the guy at work that they call when something's not working. I'm the guy that they call to reroute the stupid Microsoft Outlook email servers back to your username because that that's the kind of business that I work in. People call me for that, and that's stupid simple on the spectrum and something that you'd never do on a Mac. Uh, I'm an Apple computer guy because you plug it in and it simply works. You guys already know where I'm going with this. So Samsung, I've loved the Note. that I, I got away from iPhone after the 4S. I was like, these phones are too small. This is like a tiny little brick in my OtterBox, and it's dumb. It doesn't have a big screen. I don't like it. So I went to Note. I went to the Note 3. Had a Note 4, had a Note 5. Didn't obviously get the one that explodes in your pants. I didn't like that feature. I was not a fan of that. Uh, I don't know who was it. Well, there might have been some shifty characters 
that are certain types of extremists that liked a feature of a phone blowing up insta- you know, spontaneously. There probably there might have been some people who liked it. I don't know. So notice how I didn't use any identifiers there. I just said extremist type of people. So whatever you pictured in your head, you're the one with the problem, not me. Now, in playing with the Note 8, I had just recently been to Best Buy and played around with the Note 8, and I was feeling pretty excited about it. Except... The price point, that 950 some dollars. So me and my wife had been sitting on it for the past couple of days, hanging out with Jay, Sean, and Luther. They have iPhones. I think they have iPhone 6. I think they have iPhone 6s. I'm not sure. You can't quote me on that. Me and my wife were debating. We're like, well, it's been so long since we had iPhone, and they're up to snuff on the phone sizes now and the screen sizes. Do you want to, do you think maybe go back to iPhone? And... Long story short, we canceled our Samsung orders <laughs> and immediately got online Sunday morning and ordered an iPhone 7 for her, a 7 Plus for me because I like big, honking, huge tablet, phablet phones. And within an hour, they were ready for pickup right as the Apple Store opened up. We went out, we bought them, we went to Best Buy, bought our Zag Shields. Uh, we, we've already ordered our cases from a website that does cases up. And uh, so I've been on iPhone for the past couple of days. Hopefully, we haven't strayed too far off of the story because I know we've we've gone on a tangent here. So we did that Sunday before I go to work. All right. Actually, we we finished that up and we were home by about twelve thirty, twelve forty ish. Now, Sunday was the uh, Sunday. What? Hold on. Let's do special effects for this. Sunday, 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 NFL football, 1 p.m., 4.30 p.m., and 8 p.m. Well, Sunday night football is like 8.30, but that's beside the point. Football was back. The NFL, I love the NFL. I love everybody who's saying, boycott the NFL until they give Colin Kaepernick a job because they're discriminating against him for kneeling during the national anthem. Now, I'm going to sidebar into that in a minute because I've done way too many sidebars in a 12-minute period. I was excited, except I cut the cable cord. I only have internet access. Now, some people out there are going to say, yeah, you can get a jailbroken fire stick and you can stream. You can just find a stream somewhere. The NFL is really good at cutting off illegal streams. All right. And number two, illegal. That's that's the thing to get in your head. I am an American capitalist. I don't mind spending money on things I want to spend money on. And I already got a jailbroken fire stick and it sucks, so I took it off because I I hated it. It was it did not. It was glitchy as shit. It was stupid. I have Netflix and Hulu that I pay for that deliver me a pretty damn good service. And I have a Roku TV for all the TV apps that are free. Like CW TV, you can watch anything on the CW for free with the CW TV app. Yeah, you're going to sit through commercial breaks. Who the hell cares? They're small. So, being a cord cutter, I had... Uh, this is the, I live in the Philadelphia sports region. So, I could buy an outdoor antenna. And the digital transmissions over the airways actually are better than whatever you're piping in through your cable company, whatever HD channel you're getting from your cable company, you will actually get it more clear and crisp and uncompressed if you have an over-the-air antenna outside picking up the signals. I shit you not. Sorry for the language. But that's fascinating to me. Your local companies still over-the-air broadcast things. A lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people don't know that it'll come in crystal clear if you get the outdoor antennas and set it up just just the right way. You can get better signal than what you are paying your cable company for. It's nuts. However, I didn't want to do that. It sounded too, you know, I have solar panels on my roof and I don't want to try to rig something up to my shed and then run lines in my house right now. I'm not inter- I'm not interested in a project. For the house. So, because I'm in the Philadelphia region market, Sling TV, 25 bucks a month. I'm on a one-week free trial of it right now. 
went through yesterday's football games, which you can get uh, your local Fox 1 o'clock and 4.30 p.m. games. You get NBC, so you can watch Sunday Night Football. You get ESPN, so you can watch Monday Night Football. You get NFL Network, so you can watch Thursday Football. The package includes everything, and it's 25 bucks a month, and it's HD stream. So, we got our new iPhones. We get home. I start a data transfer from my Samsung Note 5 to my iPhone 7 Plus, which took forever. It took forever to transfer all that info. The game comes on, though, at 1. So, that's got me excited. I have the Eagles football on my TV screen. Very, very excited. Except I have to go to work and I have to leave at like 3.15-ish to get there by 3.30, 3.40. That's fine. I can boot it up on the radio in the car for free. That, you know, that works out. I listen to the game, get in the work. Uh, I have to go in before the game's over, but the Eagles are winning. Happy camper. Get to work. Get froze that night. So, okay, here. I only had like maybe an hour to play on my brand new cell phone. Oh, hey, by the way, you're froze tonight. Enjoy this other eight-hour shift on top of your eight hours. Okay, whatever. I'm tired now. I get home Monday morning. Obviously can't record the podcast because I have to take a shower, wash my butt, and and go to sleep. Do that. Wake up at like 1 o'clock. Get another hour or so to play on my phone. Then go back to work. That was my That was my weekend. In a nutshell... Not in a nutshell, because it's been 16 freaking minutes talking about it. But the point is, I got a new iPhone 7 Plus, and that's cool. I I haven't been able to organize stuff on it yet, uh, because, you know, now I'm recording the podcast. Podcast is priority, then cell phone layout. But I'm excited because things like Sling TV, that's a new thing that I'm using now, and it's, it's so far, I'm very impressed with it, and... It, it gave me the football back, which is what I wanted. It gave me the football back. I'll probably be writing a review on it. By the way, fritzcast.wordpress.com. My blog uh, my blog post this past week was, uh, I forget what the title of it exactly was, like the the wonderfully, or the, the, you know what, let's just look it up. That's what it was. The wonderfully frustrating death of cable TV. I have a picture of my Roku TV. Uh, it, it's an actual built-in Roku's built into the TV. It's an Insignia Roku TV, 4K from Best Buy, 399. Uh, it is definitely a great quality television. I haven't had any hiccups. The quality is amazing for paying, you know, 400 bucks for it. And I implore you, if you want to, if you want a really good TV, Insignia Roku TV from Best Buy, 4K, amazing. And I mean that, amazing. But I explain. How the, the the cable world, I thought cable television would be dead by now when I was, you know, finishing up and getting ready to get out of high school. Because the phones had advanced so much and technology had advanced so much. I was like, cable TV is, is a goner. If you can go on YouTube and watch all these videos and stuff, and Netflix was becoming a thing, I said, there's going to be no need for cable television. It's not going to be able to compete with that. Somehow, cable television won't die. I link it to sports and things like that. Uh, because Sling TV, even though that even though you're buying it and it's a la carte TV and it's streaming digitally and all that, it's still a form of television. So will television ever really die? I don't know. I don't know. But a lot of things jumbled up in the past couple of days. Uh, including, let's go, you know, before I dive into anything else, let's just go back to the Colin Kaepernick thing. Because it's it's been a year now. It's been a whole freaking year. And somehow Colin Kaepernick is the focus of, you know, him, him kneeling during the national anthem. And that's bad. And, and now the NFL is punishing him because they're racist. And they need to pay and we're going to boycott the NFL. Well, first off, to say that the NFL is racist, I would implore you. To look at the race, the the races of the football players, because I would say it's an incredibly diverse body. Uh, but I would say that there are a lot of uh, African American players, some who are you know 
protesting still who haven't been barred by their teams or banned by their teams. All right, Mar- Marshawn Lynch, I don't think, has ever stood during the national anthem. All right, I, I, don't, think, I don't think he ever has. All right, I think, what, the Seahawks guy, Michael Bennett, uh, I think he was in part, well, he also got arrested and there was some jazz with that going on. He said he was profiled. I'm not diving into that business right now because I don't know the details of that story. Uh, there was a Malcolm Jenkins on the Eagles holds his fist up in the air during it, you know, and, and it's like, it's these, uh, supposed little acts of defiance that are going on. Things that a link back to individuals, free speech, like you, you're allowed to express yourself and, and you don't have to stand and put your hand over your heart during the national anthem. Everybody else reserves the right to criticize you for it. Yes, you can do like. This is the world. I can do this podcast and people can agree with me or they can say that I'm full of shit, pretty much. Some people tend to think I'm full of shit, but that that's beside the point. But I can do this podcast all I want. I have the right to do it. That doesn't mean I'm free from consequences of what I might say on the podcast, for example. If I say something, like, I don't talk in depth about my employment a lot because if work heard something and it was contrary and they said that doesn't represent us and we don't want that and you've thrust yourself into the public spotlight with it they have every right as a work entity to say we're severing ties with you so in in doing something like this like it is a fine delegate balance of i know that if i come in here and i start cursing out the state of Delaware up and down and start revealing information I'm not supposed to. I'm subject to that from from my work. Colin Kaepernick. All right, this is the thing about Colin Kaepernick. Number one, everybody's acting like Colin Kaepernick is the greatest quarterback of all time, and that and that's part of the reason why he's being discriminated against in not standing for the national anthem. Now I can. I can agree. There's probably a lot of teams who think that's controversial and it puts a negative spotlight on them and they don't want it. So they're right to say we're not looking at Colin Kaepernick. The other reason that Colin Kaepernick is not getting looked at by a lot of other NFL teams is simply this. He is overrated. He is not a great quarterback. He is not a great quarterback. He is not a stat master. He is not a franchise quarterback. If he was picked up by a team anyway, he would be on the bench at best. You're competing with top names. like You still have Carson Palmer in the mix, who is still a great quarterback. You have uh, Carson Wentz on the Philadelphia Eagles, for example, who is a franchise quarterback of the future. Tom Brady still running amok in New England, although his first game was abysmal. Um, You still have all these other great... I mean, could he fit in somewhere and be a starter on a team? Yeah. But let's just... Like, look at his career stats, all right? 72 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, 12,271 yards, and an average quarterback rating of 88.9. Now... I can't believe that I get to cite the Washington Post for this, but the Washington Post posted this article five days ago called The Colin Kaepernick Tracker. Is he better than your team's quarterback? This is a beautiful, beautiful article to read on it because they took all NFL quarterbacks and their three-year averages. Their three-year averages, okay? This is how they did it. All right, let me read part of the article for you. Quote, having a, capable, having a capable starter under the center in the NFL is a requirement for success, and one of the best measurements is found through adjusted net yards per attempt, which correlates more closely with winning than either traditional passer ratings or yards per attempt. To see objectively where Kaepernick slots on a scale of current NFL quarterbacks, we plotted every qualified quarterback's three-year season average in the statistics. Then they provide this lovely little chart. All right? Among qualified quarterbacks, the article goes on to state, four are worse than Colin Kaepernick, two are about the same, plus or minus 
0.35 average net yards per attempt. And 26 are better. 26 are better than Colin Kaepernick. The article further goes on to state, quote, For context, average starting quarterbacks produced 6.4 adjusted net yards per pass attempt over the past three seasons. The average backup, meanwhile, provides a team with a 5.1 adjusted net yards per pass. Note that adjusted net yards per attempt measures only passing. Quarterbacks who run a lot, such as Kaepernick and Cam Newton, are not given credit for those contributions. Right now, we're looking at the average attempt net yards or average net yards per attempt of qualified quarterbacks, meaning quarterbacks who averaged at least 224 pass attempts per season from 2014 to 2016. As the 2017 season progresses, this page will be updated to reflect current performance. Here's the quarterback. Here's the full quarterback ranking from worst to best. Worst, starting at number 32, Brock Osweiler. Number 31, Carson Wentz, Philadelphia, because he's only had one season. 30, Blake Bortles of Jacksonville. Three seasons completed under his belt. Uh, Josh McCown of the New York Jets with 14 total seasons under his belt. Nick Foles at number five, who is Philadelphia's current backup. Then Colin Kaepernick. That's the breakdown. Joe Flacco is next in line. Then Ryan Tannenhill, Jay Cutler, Trevor Simon of the Denver Broncos, Cam Newton, Derek Carr, Sam Bradford, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston, Matthew Stafford, Alex Smith, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, Brian Hoyer, Tyrod Taylor, Andrew Luck, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Car- Carson Palmer, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, and surprisingly, at number one, is Dak Prescott. But that's a formula that shows you that Colin Kaepernick is on the low end of the spectrum. And that's just statistics speaking. Now, there's probably some of you out there who have painfully gritted your teeth. Like, is this guy? There's probably some of you nerds out there who are like, is he going to get to the politics? Is he going to get there? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm done with the NFL talk now because the other thing is that it's stupid to argue about athletic people and all that because guess what? Colin Kaepernick, everybody is saying that he's been discriminated against by the NFL. Colin Kaepernick gets paid more than you do. Colin Kaepernick, actually, like, let's just talk, this is talk positive. Colin Kaepernick does do a lot for charity and is out in his community a lot now. Which is great. Good for him. NFL teams can totally say that he sucks on paper and ain't taking him. I'm not saying that his little protesting isn't a factor, but now many other football players are protesting with nothing happening to them. So you have no basis for your case. Colin Kaepernick is not the greatest QB of all time. He's not even a good quarterback. Talking on the statistic level, he was meh. That's just a man in his opinion. Now, uh, Hurricane Harvey, we're still in recovery mode. There's going to be a long period of recovery for that. Um, earlier on Friday, I'm now reading from Fox News, by the way. not uh, Finally, not a fake news source, right? Funny? Maybe not? I don't know. Finally, not a fake news source for me to read, but here. Quote, earlier Friday, the package passed in the House of Representatives by a 316 to 90. So 316 yay, 90 nay. Uh, with all opposing votes coming from Republicans. Congress moved with uncharacteristic speed on the bill to avert several looming crises. This prospect of not only triggering a government shutdown, but high, but hitting the debt limit as the federal government burns through cash it needs to respond to both Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, which is barreling into Florida. The 
$15.25 billion package represents an initial payment as Texas recovers from its devastating storm and residents across the southeast brace for impact from Irma, a storm sure to require billions more from the government. Separately, the package includes money to fund the government through December 8th while suspending the debt ceiling through that same period. The package was the product of a stunning deal earlier this week between President Trump and congressional Democratic leaders that angered many GOP lawmakers. Leaders like House Speaker Paul Ryan had wanted to strike a longer-term deal. Instead, the short-term arrangement virtually guarantees a showdown in December. Some conservatives, meanwhile, were angry about attaching any debt ceiling increase that doesn't include spending reductions. All 17 senators who opposed the bill in the Senate a day earlier were Republicans, just like on the House side Friday. Now, Republicans have been getting flack for not, you know, support. How could you not support Harvey Relief? How could you not support money to help rebuild Texas? And I get the argument. I get the emotional appeal of Texas has been through a disaster. It needs money to recover. And I'm not against tax dollars going to recovery for those things. It makes sense in my mind. But is there an angle that people haven't looked at? Is there an angle that people aren't seeing here? Is it the fact that the bill that was passed for Harvey Relief isn't just a Harvey Relief bill? Oh, my Lord, listen to Rand Paul. In Washington, we have a disease, or a syndrome, rather. I call it the dinosaur syndrome. Big hearts, small brains. Unfortunately, it's a recurring problem. Year after year, bill after bill, day after day. In Washington, it is argued that you are more compassionate if you give away more of someone else's money. I would argue that true compassion is in giving your own money away. I would argue that truly rational policy is giving away money that you have. So it's one thing to give away other people's money. It's another thing to give away money that you don't even possess. We as a country have a $20 trillion debt. We borrow a million dollars every minute. And yet we are putting forward a bill to allocate $15 billion to those who are suffering under Harvey or from Harvey without paying for it, without finding the money anywhere, with just simply adding it to our tab, adding it to our $20 trillion bill. How did we get to $20 trillion in debt? Big hearts, small brains. Nobody has the courage to say, why don't we pay for it? Why don't we be legislators and stand up like men and women and say, Let's set priorities. If it's a priority to help those in Texas, and I have great sympathy for those in Texas, my family is there, I have family members with two feet of water in their house, so I have great sympathy for those who are in need. But there's no reason to be foolish. We shouldn't just borrow the money. Why don't we take the money from something less important? My amendment, America First Amendment, would take the money from money that we were going to send to foreign countries. We send billions and billions of dollars to countries who hate us. We send billions and billions of dollars to countries who burn our flag. I think it's a very simple choice that when we're looking at helping those in need in our country, we quit sending money to other countries. What my amendment would do would be pay for the $15 billion in aid by taking it out of the foreign aid account. Who gets the money in the foreign aid account? What is it spent on? I'll give you a couple examples of what we spend our foreign aid on. We spent uh, billions of dollars, I think it's over $100 billion, building roads in Afghanistan, blowing up roads in Afghanistan, building schools, blowing up schools, and then rebuilding all of them. Sometimes we blow them up, sometimes someone else blows them up, but then we always go back and rebuild them. Well, what about rebuilding our country? Why don't, we, why don't we look at our country and rebuild our infrastructure, rebuild our roads? For those who are flooded in Texas, let's help them. Let's help them by not sending the money to Pakistan and to other countries that don't even like us. In the foreign aid account, we spent $273 million last year teaching people how to apply for more of our money. 
So it's not bad enough that they take your money and send it to foreign countries that don't even like us. We teach these people how to apply for more of our money. We had a televised cricket league we spent over a million dollars on in Afghanistan. Televised cricket league. Only problem, they don't really have any televisions. And why it's our obligation, why is the U.S. taxpayer asked to pay for a cricket league in Afghanistan? We spent $45 million on a natural gas gas station in Afghanistan. $45 million. It was estimated to cost a half a million, 86 times cost overruns. What does it serve up? Gasoline, natural gas. Who has a car that runs on natural gas in Afghanistan? Nobody. So we bought them cars. We bought them cars that run on natural gas. Then they had no money to buy the natural gas, so we gave them credit cards to buy the natural gas. That's where your money's going. If you want to help the people in Texas or those people who may be hurt in Florida, why don't we quit sending the money overseas? These are the people who chant death to America, and we send more money to them. We spent money on home mortgages in Nigeria. We're spending money on home mortgages in Nigeria. We spent money on tourism in Albania. This is one of my favorites. We spent money teaching people in Kenya how to use Facebook. All I'm asking is, why don't we stand up like men and women, like real legislators, and if we're going to have compassion for those in Texas, why don't we have the good wisdom not to just simply add it to our debt? Ooh. See, I love Rand Paul and his waste spending report. He always talks about what taxpayer money is going where, especially in the foreign aid account and things like that. I think it's a valid point. I think it's a valid point to say, you know, oh my gosh, we're going under tragedy, so for a while we're going to suspend sending money out to every other nation on the face of the planet. There's a whole United Nations bit that is nations coming together to work with one another to help each other out. But it's almost like, you know, let's say I have a neighbor, all right, and their house goes under, all right, and my house goes under, all right? So am I helping them out by giving them $20 and they give me $20? No, we just canceled out our money to each other. It's like I gave you a gift of $20 here. Well, we're going to give you $20 as well. No, uh, maybe if my neighbor can't keep their house afloat and they need $20 to get by, I give them $20, and I don't expect it back. I'm not, I'm not loaning it to them. I say, here's $20. Fix what you got to fix. Or here's $200. Fix what you got to fix. Don't pay me back. Don't worry about it. And then maybe I'm fixing my own damage. But if, if I'm here fixing my own damage with $200 that I put down, and then I give $200 to my neighbor, but my neighbor also gives me $200 back, we didn't actually help each other out there. I hope, like, basic economics there, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Why why no money reallocation? Why not suspending programs? Why not reallocating money instead of just increasing the debt ceiling? It's a good argument. They're not saying don't give Texas the relief funding. They're saying figure out how we're working it in the fiscal spectrum of the nation. It's the same thing that you would go through at home. Oh, crap, I need my roof repaired. Am I paying this in cash? Am I borrowing some money to do it? What? What am I doing? Is my home insurance covering any of it? That type of thing. We're not even We're not even doing that. We're just banging the gavel and saying, money to Texas. We don't know how we're getting it. We don't know why. We're just asking the Federal Reserve to print out $15 billion. I get that argument. Here's Ben Sass talking about a plan that he came up with. Madam President, Hurricane Harvey is a horrible, horrible tragedy. It has ruthlessly taken lives. It has taken diplomas and baby albums. It has taken homes and gardens and playgrounds. It's also given us many new pictures of volunteerism, heroism, and neighborliness. And God bless those many helping hands. It has also revealed the willingness, the advanced planning, and the hard work of many government employees in the state and local governments, in the National Guard, at FEMA, and beyond. So what are we doing here today in this body? And what should we be doing? What is the specific duty of the U.S. Congress at this moment? We should provide emergency funding relief. We should provide emergency funding for FEMA and for related agencies. They're doing important work, and they need it. 
The amount agreed, up, agreed upon by the administration and the House of Representatives on Tuesday, just 48 hours ago, was $7.8 billion. It passed uncontroversially. The vote was 419 to 3. They did the right thing. So let's approve it. Let's do the exact same thing. Let's let FEMA spend that $7 billion. It's important money. There's a genuine emergency. There's real need. I'm a small government guy, but there is a clear and urgent governmental role in this moment, so we should do it. But what we should not do is unrelated things that we will pretend are hurricane relief. We should not fool ourselves into pretending that the legislation on the floor today is actually doing what it says it does just because it has a certain name on the top of the legislation. For what we're actually considering doing today in this body is much, much larger, much clunkier, and much less explicable or defensible to your and my constituents. Do your constituents know, for example, that far less than half of all the spending in this bill before us today is in any way related to emergency relief for Hurricane Harvey? Think about that. Do your constituents know that far less than half of the spending is actually related to hurricanes. Shouldn't they know that? Shouldn't they know that the vast majority of the money this body is pretending to, is gonna spend today under the pretend guise of an emergency in the Schumer-Pelosi-Trump bill is not actually emergency spending at all? Do your constituents know that we're using the hurricane as an excuse to extend the debt ceiling? Translated, that means we can't pay our credit card bill so we're just going to take over the credit card company and change our credit limit without any discussion. We're not gonna have any conversation about the fact that we constantly spend more money than we have and we have to borrow to do it. There's a mechanism by which when we hit up against our debt limit, we're supposed to pause and have a conversation. But we're not gonna do that today. We're gonna use the hurricane as an excuse to hide from that truth. What we're really doing right now is borrowing from our kids. Again, more calls and more echoes about why is the bill being <clears throat> spun as har as Hurricane Harvey relief. This is this is what, this is this is how the news works. This is how everything works nowadays. Hurricane Harvey relief bill. Here are the Republicans that voted against it. This is it's clickbait on websites. I hate how the websites of the internet just simply pass out. These are the senators and Congress people that voted against this bill. And the bill is, you know, Hurricane Harvey relief. It wasn't Hurricane Harvey relief only. It was Hurricane Harvey relief, debt ceiling ra uh, raise, and uh, government operations through December 8th or 9th. Whatever the date is. I don't know. That is what the bill was. The $15.5 billion isn't just for Harvey relief. All right. It was as Ben Sass pointed out, seven, roughly seven billion dollars, and no GOP or Republican congressman that voted against the relief bill was against getting money to relieve Texas. The angle was, why can't we debate and get this? Why, like. I get the instantaneous, like, Texas needs money now because it's in a crisis and we need to start cleaning up and we need money for those efforts. Boom. Pass that. But instead, much like anything else in Washington, it has to be wrapped up into a bigger bill with more things, and then you can't argue against it. If you argue against it, if you, if you are a Ben Sass, if you are a Rand Paul, if you are a Thomas Massey, if you are a Justin Amash, and you stand up and you say... I want the relief to go to Texas. I want to approve that bit, but I want you to cut out this stuff from the bill. You're just a bad guy. You're just a guy that is on a clickbait website that says these are the, the you know 15, these are the 25, these are the 70. You know these are the people that voted against this bill. Playing on the hopes that people click on it, read it, and get angry at you, and not research the whole angle or the whole spectrum of the argument. That's all I'm saying. That That's all I'm saying is that I think some people get flack for things that they don't deserve to get flack for because people don't want to actually read or look further into what the bills encompass. And that's part of how Washington gets away with things. 
because people don't do that. The only thing that people want to say, if I'm sure if I struck up an argument, or I'm sure if I struck up a dialogue between several different people right now, I'd have several different responses. If I talked about, yeah, they shouldn't have passed that bill as it was, they would have said, what, you don't want uh, hurricane victims to get the help that they need? No, I want them to get the help that they need. I didn't like this other stuff in the bill that has nothing to do with helping them out or getting them relief. Does anybody else get that? Now, of course, yesterday was uh, the 16-year anniversary of uh, 9-11. And, uh, you know, 9-11, every time it rolls around... I was listening. I was listening to John Ziegler's podcast yesterday before coming, uh, b- before going into work, uh, because I had a little bit of time before going in, and he talked a little bit about it too. It, it seems like we we've passed the 15 year mark now, and this seems to be coming like every passing year for people like me. I I don't forget it. I remember being a young 12 year old kid leaving school early, getting home, and then I turned on the TV. And I didn't turn off the TV until I went to bed that night. I I was glued to the news because I was, pre- I was pretty well struck. I, I don't think I had the threat of losing anybody on 9-11. And I didn't have anybody in New York, not, not family and not personal close friend or anything like that. Um, but it still affected me. Because I sat here and I said, mind you, me then and me now, two totally different people too. But I just, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen and I couldn't stop thinking, why? You know, why? How can something this evil happen? And every year, this year, as John Ziegler had said in his podcast, it seems like now it's in the history books. It seems like now, and it's probably because within the last couple of years, kids have been learning about it for the first time as an event that happened before they were born. And that's weird to me. Uh, to think that there's kids now who look at it and, and they get to watch it more in depth and with more footage than ever before in, in, in our cases like us growing up hearing about World War II or Vietnam or any of the other events that had happened. You can literally go on YouTube and watch news broadcasts as they happened on 9-11 from start to finish. And you can watch so many different documentaries and you can see this footage over and over and over again. It's harrowing. And it is it, it every time I watch this stuff, it kind of grips at my heartstrings a little bit. Like every time I watch uh, any of the footage whatsoever, I'm really it it really does it eats at me. And it might be because I'm an emotional guy. Uh, it might be just because I don't understand tragedies of this of, of this level. It could be because it was, pro- I mean, out of all the tragedies that have been happening, out of all the terrorist attacks that have been happening throughout, what do you have, which one has the most documentation, the most on-camera time from start to finish of it that that took so many lives in in a short span of time, 9-11 does. And maybe that's part of it. But, but it it's interesting, and I, you know the the other problem I guess is I haven't been to any of the nine eleven memorial sites. I've been to New York once since nine eleven happened. I remember being I remember going to the Statue of Liberty as a young kid and being able to look over and see the twin towers. I remember that, and then I remember when I went to New York the last time I went, which was probably seven years ago. I, I didn't go. They didn't have any of the memorial stuff set up at that point, I don't believe, anyway. Uh, but I remember looking in the skyline and thinking, like, it, it was hard for me to be there and look over in that direction and know, like, over there is where one of the worst terrorist attacks in 
modern history happened. And yet there's a bunch of people just buzzing around going about their normal lives. And that's something that that's something that at least was pretty interesting, pretty endearing the American spirit that life went on. And life still goes on. It's one of like one of the reasons I really like NFL football. It was around that time that I got into football hardcore. I was into it before then. But football was one of the things that took my mind, you know, away from the world for a little bit. I'm sure other people had their own things that that drew them out of the world and put them in a happy place for a little bit. For me, that was football. Uh, interesting enough, though, that's what sparked a deeper interest in politics and brought me to this point of being a podcaster slash wannabe broadcaster. So I would say find the time and and go online. You know, watch something 9-11 related uh, and keep those things fresh in your mind because... Y- it happened 16 years ago. For some people, it'll always be burned in their memory uh, of when it happened. And that is going to do it for me for this week, guys. Thanks for listening and tuning in. Hope you all have a wonderful week. Remember, share this, like this, comment, do your thing on social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. Facebook.com slash the Fritzcast on Twitter at FritzQS. And fritzcast.wordpress.com for the blog. Love you and enjoy your week. See you next week. Remember, the theme song is Let It Out by Jerrytown. Link provided in the description. Check out Dustin Christensen Music. Music.